Amen. We do want to welcome you to the Sunday evening fellowship hour here at the Altoona Bible Church. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It is our prayer that through this service, the special music, the hymns, and the message, that you will tr be truly uh, blessed. At this time, then, Randy Bickle is going to come leading the singing of hymn 372, Once for All. All right, one of my favorite hymns, and uh, if you're at home, sing out so your neighbors can hear you. Christ hath redeemed us once for all, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. He did it once. All we have to do is believe, and we're uh, saved, eternally secure forever and ever. Let's sing out on the third verse. have uh, our service here in the church because of the COVID virus. Of course, you're um, tuning in from home. Sometimes I'll say, that was a little weak. We need to sing a little louder. And I just kind of can tell that uh, we can sing a little louder um, when you're from home. And follow the words if you don't know that they're there already. And uh, sing out. We're going to sing page 691, Saved by Grace. And uh, everybody sing out.
Amen. What a beautiful number. I like to read John chapter 8, verse number 12. Uh, Randy is going to provide us uh, special music at this time. The light of the world is Jesus. John chapter 8, verse 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. At this time, then, Randy Bickle is going to provide a piano solo. The light of the world is Jesus. Randy, thank you for that beautiful number. Randy's going to make his way back. We're going to be singing hymn number uh, 65. He's a wonderful Savior to me. But truly just think upon the fact that we were once darkness, but now we are light in the Lord, and we're to walk as children of light because Lord Jesus Christ is the light of the world, and we know that this world, the condition of this world, needs that light, needs that saving gospel, Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to sing hymn 65. He's a wonderful Savior to me. Thank you. 
third verse says, he is always near to comfort and to cheer, which is a nice thing because the last song, I know our pianist noticed I sang the wrong words, so. Um, it's a good thing that uh, I have eternal, or I have uh, a reward and glory because um, I think I might be fired here for doing some mistakes. So um, he does comfort and cheer us when we're, um, when we're down, when, even when we're happy and on a nice day. The Lord cheers us with the sunshine. He forgives my sins. He dries my every tear. He truly is a wonderful Savior to me. So let's sing out on the third and fourth verses. going to sing uh, our worship song, Oh How He Loves You and Me. Whoops, another hymn. That's why God cheers and, and forgives us. Page 235. Near to the heart of God. Page 235.
how many times have we been in a situation where we don't know how to pray or what to pray for it would just ache so badly and you just say god just be near us just hold us close and and i think when i hear this song that's the place near to the heart of god that god um, does always comfort us and he supports us so sing out on that third verse sing oh how he loves you and me look at the screen and this uh, ties into near to the heart of God oh how he loves you and me he loved us so much that uh, that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins he loved us to save us from the the penalty that we deserve so um, he loves us he loves us uh, all the time and and we should love him more and more every day. So let's sing out on, oh, how he loves you and me. We're going to sing it through three times. Amen, Randy. Thank you for leading those songs and for the special music this evening. In your Bibles, turn with me your Bibles for the scripture reading. Uh, Randy's going to come back then and share another special number, but I'd like to read Ephesians chapter 3, 
verses 1 through verse number 6. For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you word, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when you read that you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. At this time, then, Randy's going to play another beautiful number, Oh, Open the Eyes of My Heart.
Amen, Randy. Thank you again for leading the singing and also providing a special music this evening. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles then and go back to Ephesians chapter number 3. Ephesians uh, chapter number 3. And I'd just like to read verse number 6 as we continue talking upon the believer's union with Christ, the believer's absolute and complete and absolute identification with the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I, I pray that as a believer, you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, that you appreciate and rejoice in this identification that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ at the moment of salvation. Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 6. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. Now please understand, we'll talk about this. The mystery here is not the salvation of the Gentiles, because that was talked about in the Old Testament. It's John 3, 16, verse in the book of Isaiah. The mystery here is the issue of joint heirs, the same body. The church, the body of Christ, which you go back to verse 5, was a mystery until it was revealed in and through the Apostle Paul. Verse 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. So we began looking at this for the last few weeks, and we talked about, we're just going to put them on the screen, if you would like this complete list, and as we said when we started this series, we're not necessarily going to cover every single one of these words we're going to look at a majority of them, and if you would like the listing, please contact us here, uh, contact myself here at the Altoona Bible Church. You can email us, you can call us in the church office at the phone and just ask and request the believer's identification, the complete uh, listing of these words. And so you'll see on the screen, crucified. Like, again, don't notice these words, with, together with, dead with, buried with. That goes back to Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and 4 planted together. Last week we looked at Ephesians 2, 5 and 2, 6, how he quickened us together, how he raised us up together, how he seated us, how we're set together in the heavenly places in the Lord Jesus Christ. Words, because in Ephesians 3, 6, you see three conditional, or three other words that are describing this. Fellow heirs, the same body, and partakers. And literally, we will show you that these words, again, speak of this joint, of this fellow heirs. This is the blessed truth to, for us to understand. This specific word, fellow heirs, this specific Greek word appears four times in the New Testament. Romans 8, 17, you want to go back there, we could read Romans chapter 8, verse number 17, here in Ephesians 3, and then Hebrews chapter 11, and as well as 1 Peter chapter 3. We're concerned with Romans chapter 8, verse 17, and here in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. Verse 16 of Romans 8 says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs... 
We're heirs of God and we're joint heirs with Christ if so be that we suffer with him that we may be also glorified together. And that's probably another verb that we will uh, look at, glorified together. If you go back to Ephesians chapter 3, the word means a fellow heir, a fellow heir, a, a, a joint heir, an heir with. And again, if you understand the context of Ephesians 3 and you go back to Ephesians chapter number 2 and you will see the fact that we are now in Christ Jesus. The middle wall of partition has been destroyed. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, Galatians chapter 3. And Ephesians 2, 14 and 15, he is our peace with made both one. Jew and Gentile, broken down the middle wall partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, the enmity, even the law of uh, commandments contained in ordinances for the making himself of twain, twain, the one new man. We're the one new man today. We're the one new man individually and corporately because we're part of the church, the body of Christ, and we are fellow heirs. We are joint heirs. Question. I'm going to let you think upon this for a moment. What do you think of when you hear the word heir or joint heir? What, what word do you associate that with? And if you said the word inheritance, that's absolutely correct. And if you look, here is an English dictionary definition of the word inheritance. And you say, what, why is this important? Think upon this for a moment. It's something that is or may be inherited. It's property passed when? At the owner's death. The owner's passing to an heir or those entitled to succeed. When do they get it? You don't get it while the person's living. You receive it after that individual dies. If you're if you have some relationship with a person who has died and they name you in their will, See that inheritance upon their passing. We can show you. Here, here's the beauty of God's word. Ephesians chapter 1. We, we, we've already obtained our inheritance in Christ. And again, this is how God sees us. This, again, this is the believer's complete and absolute identification with Christ. I, I hope you appreciate and realize, and you might say, well, that, that's too doctrinal for me. Listen, listen to me. If you understand and can grasp this truth, the believer's identification with Christ, remember what Romans 6, 4 said. Remember, we're buried with him. We're buried with him. And then it ends up with what? We're raised to what? Walk, walk in newness of life. You see, my belief is, based on God's word, if you understand who you are in Christ, if you understand the moment you trust the Lord, remember we began this series, we told you that when God looks at us, he only sees us in one or two places, either in Adam or in Christ. In the first Adam, it's the unsaved position. In the Lord Jesus Christ, the last Adam is the saved. And the only way to get from in Adam to in Christ is what? By belief. Believe, receive the gospel of Christ. Admit and recognize that you're a sinner, that Christ came into this world, that he died in death through his burial and resurrection. God saves you. At that 
point in time and throughout all eternity. And you're given this new position, this new creation. We're a part of the church, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you will, look with me to Ephesians chapter number 1. Inheritance. And then verse number 18. Ephesians chapter 1 says, In whom also, in whom also, I'm not going to take the time this evening, but read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 down through verse number 23. And notice in verse 3, it's God the Father. In verse number 7, it's God the Son. In verse number 13, it is God the Holy Spirit. And then look down at Paul's threefold prayer. And you'll see a connection, I believe. And here in verse 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Then in verse 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. And after each of that verses, God the Father, then God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, it's, it's, it's to the praise and the glory. Verse 6, it's the praise and the glory of his grace. Verse 12, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. In the end of verse number 14, the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. To the praise and the glory of God the Father, because God the Father had a plan. Praise and glory to God the Son, because the Son is the one who died for that plan. And praise the glory to God the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit becomes the seal of that plan. And then if you drop down to verse number 18 in Paul's prayer, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know something, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. There are three what's here. What is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Now we know God owns everything. And we know that God is the creator. We know who God is and we know of his divine attributes. And some want to change this word and talk about God's inheritance in the holy places. You see, I believe it's exactly what it says here. God has an inheritance in his saints. And who are the saints? Those are those people who have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal savior. Look first part of Romans chapter 1, about verse number 7. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. To the saints at Corinth, to the saints at Rome. You see, God has an inheritance in us. Why? Because we are in Christ. Go over and read Ephesians chapter 5. We may look at that verse a little bit later. But verse 29, verse number 30. We're bone of his bone, we're flesh of his flesh. Then he talks about in the next verse of Scripture. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife. The two shall become one. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning what? Christ and the church, not, not a building, individuals who are saved through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and become part of the body of Christ today. And, and that's what Ephesians chapter 3 is about. In Ephesians chapter number 3, it's talking about the fact that this mystery was not made known in the Old Testament times. It's, it's now revealed in and through the Apostle Paul. So we're fellow heirs. And in the word, same body. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 6, this is the only occurrence of this specific word, and it literally means the members of a joint body. 
It's the members of a joint body. Think about that. And actually, the word is the plural, not the singular, but it doesn't mean that there are many joint bodies, but it refers to those who are saved in this joint body. Look back with me to Romans chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as well, but Romans chapter 12. This is another term for the description of the church, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the body of Christ is what? It's a living organism. It's made up of many members, yet there's one body. It's a, it's a living organism. It's not an organization. It's, you, you can't follow an organizational flowchart. It's a living organism. Look up the definition of an organism. Organism works together for the survival of that organism. We're, we're part of the church, the body of Christ. One body. Christ is the head. He is the head over all. He is the head over the church, the body of Christ, and we are what? Members one of another. Romans chapter 12, verse number 4 and verse number 5. For as we have many members in one body, and all the members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ and every one members of one another. We have a spiritual connection to each other, to members of the church, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members. And he's, he begins speaking here of our physical body, of your physical body, of my physical body. The body is one, and it hath many members. And there's things that are going on in your body right now and in my body that if we had to think about it, we wouldn't survive. But they're, they're working together. Different organs that we have. Red blood cells, white blood cells. And all the members of that one body being many or one body, so also is Christ. Now, he's not talking about the physical body of Christ. He's talking about the spiritual body, the church, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized in a body. That's Romans 6. The Holy Spirit of God takes us out of in Adam and baptizes us. It's not water. Please read 3 and 4. Rejoice the moment of your salvation. The Holy Spirit of God took you out of that inanimate position and transferred you and placed you in the Lord Jesus Christ and baptized you into Christ. We're buried with him, if you go back to Romans 6, 3, and 4. Not like him, there's a big difference. That's changing God's word. For by one spirit are we all baptized in one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we bond or free, and have all been made to drink into that one spirit. We're part of the same body. It's a living organism, the church, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you go back to Ephesians chapter number 3 again. Ephesians chapter 3. In this next word, in Ephesians 3, so we're fellow heirs, the same of this and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. This specific Greek word only appears two times in the whole New Testament, here in Ephesians 3, 6, and then in Ephesians 5, 7. 
And it means partaking together with one, literally a joint partaker. And again, there's that believer's identification. And we're going to re-show this and emphasize this. Fellow heirs, joint partakers, the same body. It's a, it's a wonderful and a beautiful truth. Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 6, dictates and shows us the implications, the doctrinal implications of being the partakers. And then we will look in a moment over at Ephesians 5, 7, which gives the, I want to say the practical implications. So again, standing versus faith, our position before God, that's what we're, what we're seeing in verses of Scripture that we're laying out. What we enjoy at the moment of salvation. Glorified together, something out there in eternity. We'll talk about, again, those words. This is our position before God. Our position as believers, complete and absolute identification with Christ. Our position, our standing before God is perfect. Colossians. We're filled full in Christ. You can't add anything more to make yourself more complete. You're already complete in Christ. That's your position. But certainly as we live our lives here, our state, our walk, we are children of light. Now walk as children of light. We're light in the Lord. That's our position. Walk as children of light. There's the practical end. That's the state, our walk that we have. So we see here in Ephesians 3, 6, we're partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. 2 Timothy chapter number 1, verse 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. See, we're in Christ. That's our position. And, excuse me, in Ephesians 5, 7 is, is the, the practical end. And notice you turn over to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 7, and remember how the book of Ephesians is laid out. The book of Ephesians is laid out. It begins in the first three chapters of the believer's wealth. The believer's wealth that we have. That then in chapter number four, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. And he, is he, he never considered himself a prisoner of Rome, even though this is where he is at. Let me remind you, Paul, the apostle Paul is enduring his first Roman imprisonment. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon was written at the end of the book of Acts, he is transferred to Rome and spends two whole years in his own hired house, and the book of Acts abruptly ends. But that's not the end of Paul's life because he has more ministry. He, he doesn't give up. Even though he has endured and suffered for the Lord and preaching of the gospel and he's an ambassador in bonds, as Ephesians chapter 6 says, he's going to go out and keep preaching. So Ephesians 4, 1 says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. In chapter 3, verse 1, it's the prisoner of the Lord for you Gentiles. Chapter 5, we, how we walk. And so this is now the, the walk of the believer, and this is all the way true over to Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 10. 
where we read these words, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Why? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against other nations. We, we have a spiritual battle. Look what it continues to talk about. The prince of power is the powers in the heavenly, the high places. So you have the believer's wealth, the, the, the believer's walk, the believer's warfare. And as the Christian soldiers, we're to put on the whole armor of God. And you see that down to verse 17, and keep reading, because in verse number 18, God talks about prayer and how important prayer is. If you go back to Ephesians chapter 5, then verse number 7. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 7, 5, 1 says, Be therefore followers of God as dear children. Verse 2, walk in love. Verse number 8, walk in light. Verse number 16, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Walk in light, in love, and circumspectly, carefully, understanding where we're at, understanding the time. That's why in verse 14, wherefore he saith, awake thou that sleep and arise from the dead. And Christ will give you that light. And that's not a message for the unsaved to get saved. That's a message for someone who is in Christ, but he's dead to the things of Christ. He's not living for the Lord. Corinthians, their carnality, they need to awake and arise and realize the time and redeeming the time because the days are evil. Well, in the context of that, look, begin reading here in verse number 6 and verse number 7. And here is the other time the word partakers appears, and it's the practical end. Chapter 3, verse 6 was the doctrinal end because it connected with the word the body and fellow heirs. Verse 6 says, Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things come the wrath upon the children of disobedience. Be ye therefore... Be not ye therefore partakers with them. Did you see that? Be not ye therefore partakers with them. Don't be a fellow partaker with them. That's the, the practical end of this word. And again, because of our position, if we would understand our position, we should be living in light of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you look at it, if you look back to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6, you say, how do these, there are three really important words. Fellow heirs. Literally, joint heirs. Then the word body is really fellow body members, members of a joint body. And we read Romans chapter 12, verse 4 and 5. We read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 and 13. One body, and that's why, what is the church the body of, call, of Christ called today? It's the church the body of Christ. It's not talking about the physical building. It's talking about the universal church. And the reality is there's three aspects of the body of Christ. In Ephesians 2, it's the universal church. So there, there are people, and we support missionaries throughout the world. 
So we have missionaries down in Curacao. We have missionaries in, in Bonaire. There, there are missionaries in Nicaragua, Costa Rica, Brazil, Bolivia, Tanzania, other places. When they share the gospel and those individuals believe wherever they are, they're, they're taken out of in Adam place in Christ. They're part of the church, the body of Christ, the universal church. Then we, then we know in 1 Corinthians 6 that our, our body is the temple. There's three aspects of the, of the temple, the universal church. Our bodies individually are the temple. And over in 1 Corinthians 3.16, I believe it's a difference. I believe in 3.16, it's talking about the local church. The local church. But just think, we're, we're fellow members of a joint body. And it's so important to under, understand that. Then we're fellow partakers. We're joint partakers. Again, all this is possible because we trust the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. What I want to do is have a comparison because this is really important. A comparison of Ephesians 3, 6 of the King James Bible, which we have read, and it talks about the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. And I want to put on the screen the New International Version the NIV, and the contemporary English version, the CEV. Look at the difference. The NIV has the mystery is that through the gospel, Gentiles are joint heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. The CEV, same verse of scripture, says the mystery is this, because of Christ Jesus... The good news has given the Gentiles a share in the promise that Christ gave to the Jews. God also let the Gentiles be part of the same body. Well, let me first tell you that the Westcott and Hort text, and, and this is the Westcott and Hort, Hort Greek text, from which the NIV and the CEV really and all other modern Bibles except for the King James and New King James are translated from. And here in Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 6, the word Israel, the word Jew, doesn't even appear in the manuscripts. It has no manuscript authority. And you say, well, what does that mean? Well, there are sometimes in the King James Bible where, where you see the words italicized. Those words have no manuscript authority, but they italicize those words so that it reads better. Here, if you go back and read Ephesians 3, 6, in both the NIV, which had the word Israel, and the CEV, which had the word Jews, it has no manuscript authority. So in my mind, Ephesians 3, 6, in those two translations, versions, interpretation they become more of a, an interpretation than a translation and they're absolutely wrong because the implication and that's why I read we go back and read verse number two or the second chapter verse 14 and 15 that they're fellow heirs with the nation of Israel and then from that you would think we're talking about that they're fellow heirs 
and joint heirs with Israel and Israel's promises. But that's the danger. Because when you read here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, wherefore remember that ye being times past Gentiles in the flesh, who were called the uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision, the flesh made by hands, that at that time, times past, that you were without Christ, you were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenant. Abrahamic covenant, one is, is a land. The Davidic covenant. The Davidic covenant is a throne and a king. Luke chapter 1. Go back and read in 2 Samuel. And the new covenant. God, God's going to put the Holy Spirit within the nation of Israel and cause them to walk in their ways. That, that's not happening today. We're filled with, we have the indwelling Holy Spirit in the dispensation of grace. And the exhortation, Ephesians 5, is what? To know what the will of the Lord is. The will of the Lord is to be filled with the Spirit. Maybe he will, maybe he won't be. He's going to cause them to walk in their ways. And the point that I just want to clarify and emphasize to you, Israel is not the context of Ephesians chapter 3. And so you see, time's passed. And, and, and there's Theologians, it's called replacement theology. And their belief is basically that Israel failed, and so God raised up the church, and the church replaces Israel, and whatever God promised Israel are ours spiritually somehow. How can you spiritually apply the Abrahamic covenant, which was, was a land? Right, right now, here at the Altoona Bible Church, 3017 Union Avenue, this is a physical piece of property. How can you spiritualize this? When you understand the word of God rightly divided, you understand there's a, a difference. There was no promise in the Old Testament about a body. It's a, it's a nation. It's the Lord Jesus Christ, king, ruling over the throne of his father David. And so the issue is in times past, this is the way we were, Gentiles, but now there's a, there's a change in Christ Jesus. You were far off or made nigh by the blood of Christ because he is our peace who hath made both, that's Jew and Gentile, one, absolutely. Because that's what the promise is today. But my point is in Ephesians 3, 6, by implication, and it gives a false impression that you think the Gentiles are heirs and fellow heirs with Israel and Israel's promises, and that is incorrect. And that's what I just want to emphasize. Because he broke down the middle wall of partition, and that middle wall was not a physical wall in the temple, though one existed that separated the court of the Jews from the court of the Gentiles. This is a spiritual wall. Because notice when this, the book of Ephesians was written approximately 64 AD, the temple still existed. The Jewish temple still existed. This says, hath broken down the middle. It doesn't say he's in the process of breaking down. He says, hath broken down the middle wall of partition. And that he made the one new man, verse number 15. And so here in Ephesians chapter 3, the mystery. Jews and Gentiles joint heirs in a body. A joint body. Fellow heirs. Joint and fellow partakers of this new program that God has raised up through the Apostle Paul. And truly, I just pray that you understand the believer's identification with Christ. 
And here, I just want to give you a couple verses of scripture. Look at this even here in the book of Ephesians, and we covered some of these. I'll just put these on the screen. Quicken us together. We talked about this last week. Raise us up together. Sit together. Fellow heirs, same body and partakers that we talked about this evening. The body of Christ. And, and please remember, when we talk about the church, the body of Christ, only Paul, only John, through the apostle Paul, uses that terminology. It's not found in Peter. It's not found in the Gospels. It's not found in Hebrews. It's in and through the apostle Paul. We're called citizens. We're fitly framed together. We're compacted. We have a, we have a bond of peace. We have fellowship. All, all these words have that preposition together with. And that's what I want to emphasize, together with. And then we can think of the spiritual application upon individual salvation, upon your salvation. That individual, you, now have a complete and absolute and a perfect identification together with the Lord Jesus Christ. The dispensation of grace was a mystery until it was revealed in and through the Apostle Paul, and it's the church, the body of Christ. And that's, to me, the emphasis here in 3.5, because it wasn't made known in times past. It was now revealed that the Gentiles, fellow heirs, same body, joint, really members of that joint body, that one body, and then also partakers. It's a glorious message. And if we, if we could understand this message, if we could understand who we are in Christ, we've been raised to walk in absolute newness of life. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Have you trusted him? The only way of salvation, the only way of salvation is by faith alone, the finished work of the cross. The Lord Jesus Christ came into this world. He died on the cross for your sins and that by faith, not by religious activity, but by faith, trust him, believe, and God will save you. And then for us who are saved, may you fully appreciate God's blessing upon you and the position that we enjoy in the Lord Jesus Christ and totally live for Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you and may God continue to bless the United States of America.